If you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read it, you're misinformed. What is the long-term effect of too much information? Information, information, I just need some information. I've been dying, I've been dying. Is it lack of education? I've been reading, I've been reading without any transformation. I'm addicted, I'm addicted. Is it overstimulation? Hey. Welcome to the success report. The success report. Hear ye, hear ye, come one, come all. You are listening to The Sixth Sense Report with Joel Nikoloff and Darnell Samuels. Man, season three is coming to an end. I can't believe this is 76 episodes. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny, I don't know if the audience realizes this, but usually for the last two episodes we've been taking breaks on in November. Um, But we decided to push it to February. Uh, yeah, so so that so that our layoff isn't that long. Yeah, yeah. Usually, well, I mean, uh, you know, season one was kind of interesting. Fifteen episodes. I think we we might have even uh, we didn't start releasing them till December <laughs> of uh, twenty seventeen, if I remember correctly. But we we almost stopped recording. Um, I think probably a couple weeks into that. So for the for the audience, you know, it might have got. I think the uh, the recording and and. Uh, release schedule was staggered for season one, but um, for us, yeah, we've been running usually uh, until about end of November for the last two, and then this year, you know, essentially we went an extra two months, um, and and hopefully uh, the audience appreciates what we've given them uh, for content. I know I've enjoyed it. Uh, definitely looking for well. I say I'm looking forward to the break, but part of the reason why we have a break is because I have other work. I have becoming <laughs> responsibilities in the next two months uh, with the good old tax season upon us. Mm-hmm. And I have way too many family and friends in need of an accountant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, we'll, so we'll be back in May. Yeah, we'll we'll be coming back for... Season four. Season four, uh, which, I mean, numerically doesn't even, you know, don't don't try to figure it out. Uh, you can probably just figure out where the gaps are in our release dates mm-hmm. if you're trying to re- recalculate our seasons. Um, but all that to say, I think we, we got close to to 40 episodes uh, this season. I, di- I didn't double check the exact number, but uh, yeah, it's it's been fun, man. A lot, a lot of content. And you've, b- you've been doing double duty on the side as, as we're about to get into. Mm-hmm. Um, so this... You know, this break, this episode kind of ties in well to to content you'll have uh, coming out. Um, I, I don't even know, but but I guess for you is, uh, or for the listener, will the, the podcast episode zero be live by the time this airs? So episode zero, one and two will be available the following week, which is March 5th, which is a Thursday. Thanks, Coach Thursday. And also I'll put a link in the show notes for you guys to subscribe yeah so we'll well for the for the listener uh what you're looking for or what we're talking about the the title of this episode thanks coach is is darnell's new series what are you going to call it what do you call it mini series uh Uh, i I call it a docu-series oh docu-series yeah i'm gonna call it docu-series uh this is um a passion project a labor of love, uh, just something that I had to get off my chest. And so basically, it's a podcast about my journey from boy to man, 
and through the many coaches that have had influence on my life. Uh, so the coaches who, so I basically sit down and do interviews with coaches who I used to play for and who are like fathers to me. And then there are guys who I used to play with who are coaching, who are like brothers to me. And then there are, there are interviews with guys who I used to coach as little kids and now they're grown men coaching and they're like sons to me. So it has a really familial aspect, uh, to this conversation in the context of Canadian hoops. And and through through the eyes of your personal relationships. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So it, it isn't so much about you know how you know the Raptors are doing or um, you know my picks for you know March Madness, but it's it's more so about uh, our relationship back then. Uh, you know, elite level basketball, uh, the relationship between a coach, the 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 tug of war between a coach and his player and the after effect so what you're listening to is the the results of going through the fire together as men and now we um are on the other side and we're reflecting and seeing the benefits that that tough love had on us and basically saying thanks coach okay so for the listener who's uh, let's say not uh, athletically inclined or or not a you know basketball player and and you know maybe in my category of a hockey player one what do you mean by through the fire and two why would they be interested in 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 the content that you've produced yeah so as far as like like through the fire so i played elite level basketball and it's more so like elite level sports and the rigor that goes into playing at an elite level which is um, controversial and sometimes politically incorrect in the way how we do business. <laughs> so that always makes good. That always makes for interesting uh, listening. And then for those people who aren't hoopers, as we say, uh, it's okay um, because it's all about story, and you know, stories are is, is what unites us. Uh, stories of failure, uh, stories of triumph, stories of love. Uh, stories of hard lessons and and I think that that was what resonates with with everybody um, where you don't have to be a basketball guy but you can definitely take a look into a culture and learn about a culture uh, just like there's a soccer culture uh, there's a hockey culture there's just a way we go about the way we talk uh, and the way we approach the game which is which which can help you in your everyday life and help you in um raising your kids and mentoring those people below you. Okay. So I've had, you know, sneak peek access to, to episode zero, as you're calling it, um, for, for the audience, uh, you had your wife on the show. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, what, you know, what can they expect from episode zero? Uh, and and especially you know because I know how is that different than the rest of the series and and why did you feel the need to to bring your wife on and and what was the purpose of episode zero? Yeah, so episode zero is just who I am, so you, you get a, a a better understanding of who I am as a coach, and so that's why I brought Tyra on because uh, she she knows me better than anybody and she knows me as a coach not just in the basketball sense but as her husband so you definitely hear uh, us 
talk about our relationship and how I act as a coach towards her and coach her uh, through uh, some aspects in her life. Yeah. And, um, you know, on that note, uh, I think there's a good time to, you know, there's a couple points or a couple aspects of that episode that I, I really appreciated. And one of them being, you know, that, that dynamic between you and Tyra, as you tell the story about going to gym together and you kind of being her, let's call it athletic trainer. And, mm-hmm. and just, you know, as a married couple, how you navigate some of that, um, mm-hmm multi-layered relationship yeah because you've got this coaching relationship that you take you know if you take your intensity of normal coaching and apply that to you know personal training i can presume that uh there's an there's a time there's going to be a time where tyra might not like you as the personal trainer (laughs) yeah Um, because you're getting them to do things that that you don't like that you know that you don't want to do yeah well it's so funny leading up to that a lot of our married friends were talking about that. We we recorded it, but a lot of our married friends were talking about it more so the husband saying like, you know, it's, I want to go to the gym with my wife, but you know, it always ends up in a fight. And so Tyra and I kind of walk through what that looks like, uh, doing it as a husband and wife and also just really understanding the, the male, the male um, approach to the gym versus a female approach to the gym. So yeah, yeah really cool. I, I thought that was good. And, and you know, just navigating that and both of you kind of comprehending that it's, you know, differences that are playing a role here. So um, so what I was trying to get at before we slight sidebar, I appreciated that. I appreciated your good old Tupac reference. Um, <laughs> and and uh, I think the audience will, will like that. Too. Oh, I, I hope I hope so. I hope so. We had to take some of the swearing out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did. You, you it sounded like you did a you know a due Pretty diligence on. Uh, the there's a lot of swearing. There's a lot of swearing, man. <laughs> that, that you had to pull out, right? To keep, yeah. keep it family friendly. But 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 I I had to do it. Be- not just take out the swearing, but I had to I had to use the the the, the Tupac audio to help sell the point. And and I thought that that it was good. It was a good uh, reference that you make. Um, so. Uh, the other thing I wanted to, you know, pull out or, or reference and then kind of go a little bit deeper. You had an audio clip by uh, Warren, Dr. Warren Farrell, who's the author of uh, The Boy Crisis. Mm-hmm. And the audio clip you shared, um, I thought it's something that falls into our, you know, alley of, of conversation. So maybe we can go down this road a little bit. Um, but he was talking about two things that, that stuck out to me in the clip. Uh, and you'll have to check out the show. If you want to hear that clip, um, and, j- and in case we haven't said it, we'll probably say it again. The episode, the show is going to be called uh, "Thanks, Coach," uh, and so you'll be able to find it on all your podcast purveyors. Um, so, yeah. Anyways, uh, the episode clip was, or that that audio clip in the episode was about, you know, physical activity within a school context, uh, providing. Uh, an improved learning environment and an improved kind of atmosphere um, for both learning, but also just a team, like a, a, a classroom culture. Um, and so I thought we could get into that a bit as well. Uh, he talked about, you know, the necessity or the role of male mentorship and to some extent the lack of it, um, in, in society, I don't think he mentioned it in the clip, but but I think what he's referencing is, you know, single single motherness or, or a lack of father, you know, father figures, even when, 
you've got a breakdown of a marriage, you know, is there, uh, or even, you know, let's say a death, um, you know, there's a lack of, um, male figures pouring in, um, to young boys. And, and so those two things I thought we could hash out a little bit just as to make this not just about your show, but also, you know, do what we do. Mm -hmm. Uh, so yes. So part of the context with the whole coaching and the importance of coaching is that a lot of times the fathers aren't home. So then the coaches try to pick up and, and, and fill that void. Uh, but yeah, back to one of your points that you pointed out about the importance of physical activity. Uh, there's a quote from the book and he says, perhaps the most likely to succeed single vehicle for leading your son toward internal security is sports. The Centers for Disease and Control Prevention find that exercise helps build the muscle of a child's brain even more effectively than studying. And so I found that fascinating in him tying in uh, physical activity with um, the kids' understanding or children's development uh, intellectually and emotionally. And part of that is like the rigor, physical rigor and developing perseverance within the kid which is uh sometimes you know it, it takes you know pushing um the kid to their limit to get them to persevere which is somewhat controversial um but it's something that has to be done for human development or for young people to develop i think you're right but i think there's multiple layers to this right so one of them being i know from these are you know i'll use two anecdotal experiences myself or maybe even three depending on how you break out what I say, um, that, that apply to me. One of them being, um, I remember during university, uh, I started playing shinny Friday mornings with my dad. He had played with a bunch of real estate agents. And after that workout and then going to school, I was like, this is the, I'm the most productive today. It was like, you know, that physical exertion in the morning, uh, almost, you know, thinking of it as like my body as like a car it warmed me up prepared me to you know that mental strenuousness uh of learning and school that i was per now almost physically more prepared for um so i'm again i'm saying that more anecdotally that just hey physical activity seemed to help me be more aware and prepared for the day um and the other being uh, going, I remember going on a, a missions trip to Cuba and I was part of a, a work team. Um, so for the most part, I was, you know, working nine to five kind of thing, digging dirt and or moving dirt and digging ditches and, you know, essentially hard labor um, on this trip. And, and the bonds that I had with the guys that I went with um, were almost unexplainable when you contrast hey, I might have spent how many hours with them at church regularly, uh, but I didn't have this kind of relationship with them until I'd gone through the fire or in essence, something simple or a simpler way of putting it until I've gone through that strenuous experience that was just physically strenuous um, and, and a bond gets generated out of it. Um, and so I guess the third example that I kind of want to touch on too is, you know, thinking through uh, whether it be family or a work environment, but thinking through the scenarios where you've gone through mentally stressful uh, things or experiences or times, 
with family members or work teams or or whatever you want to whatever that core group is that you went through it with and that stressful and you know experience creating bonds um where almost like the relationship you have with the pr- people now has has been um you know turned up a notch that is almost unexplainable mm-hmm. And so the point I'm trying to bring that back to to all of this is to say whether it's in the school environment or in the, um, you know, uh, sports, athleticism, competition environment, when you trust those that you're with, you you inherently will behave differently. And and I think um, the amount of stress in high level sports as opposed to the recreational league where you know only the, the the coach only controls the last 5 minutes of the game as a po- you know with regards to equal ice time the rest of the time or the equal playing time as opposed to the competitive where you know the the ice time is divvied up based on necessity from you know period 1 or or shift 1 or the tip off you know what i mean Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for you and you know for that that quote um is there any other aspect of it that stands out to you uh well more so the the significance like at the end of the quote he talks about uh men communicating their value not just to the culture but to women and women uh, trying to understand men and embrace the way men do things because you know men you know of course we're not the same as women and we have a a roughness to us that uh, the culture sometimes frowns upon so i thought i thought that stood out and and that was one of the things i wanted to that kind of inspired me to do this um podcast so that you know people would hear the relationship between men and and the tough love that goes on between a player and his coach after the fact. So we always, you know, think about it in the, in the present context, but we never think about, okay, so whatever happened to that relationship between that coach who, you know, yelled a lot and threw stuff in the, in the change room. Um, and now, now what's that relationship like 20 years later um, between, um, the player and the coach and what kind of person has that, um, player developed into and that's what i wanted to bring the audience into yeah and i think um your the audience will really start to to gain some insights especially for the audience member who's not um athletically inclined or, or been on a really competitive team um this i think this series this docu series will provide insight into um the the learning and the um growth that that bore fruit maybe a couple, you know decades later for some of the players yeah yeah and and part of it too is also i want the audience to un- see that the love has been reciprocated and that it has been paid forward so these aren't just players who um, who are coached and then they moved on to do other things. But no, these are coaches who have coached coaches who are now coaching future coaches. 
and showing that love to another generation. So you're seeing guys who taught me when I was a kid. Now I'm teaching guys when they were kids and now they're teaching other kids uh, who will lead other kids. So there's something that bonds coaches together. Um, so there's coaches from all levels. Uh, um, I interview guys who are uh, personal trainers in the basketball context, guys who coach uh, at the grassroots level, um, at the prep school level, the high school level, uh, the college level. Uh, don't got any NBA guys yet, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, but no, but totally, and 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 it's really cool to talk about um, player development and managing personalities, and those and those are like true life skills that you need not just you know in sport, but um, outside of sport, and that's why again, like I had my wife um, on the show because now I like I have a wife, and yes, we're equal, but there's points where I got to step into to coach her through difficult things or at church I'm discipling um kids in my Sunday school class um they got like the coaching thing I just couldn't I I can't turn it off that's just who I am and who these guys are right and it's funny because yeah because and Joel you know you're a coach too um right and you you coach kids and you also coach men you know so yeah yeah I mean I think um coaching is something that we undervalue i know for you know for me there's my you know reflecting back on on being coached um as a kid for the most part i didn't have good coaches i had parents who sacrificed their time and and you know maybe demonstrated you know servanthood and and you know um, putting others above themselves with regards to their time but I didn't you know I didn't have that kind of elite level uh, whether it be sport or even uh, coaching right where the the consequences of making a mistake are immediately realized whether, you know, if, if you've made a bad enough mistake, you're sitting on the bench for the rest of the game, mm-hmm. right? Th- those things didn't really exist for me. But as a coach, um, they did. And so, you know, I have this unique almost dynamic where I I see what I missed. <laughs> yeah, um, as Bobo said, yeah. You know, and and I would say that it's it's actually driven me to, or it's part of why I've been driven to seek out mentors professionally, within my my work career, um, within, you know, within the, within church community, having people that I trust to pour into me, um, for a number of reasons. You know, one just being, you know, use a biblical reference of like seeing the speck in someone else's eye when you have a board in your own um, mm-hmm. r- really just it's a lot easier to see uh, other people's flaws and so having people around me who that I trust to speak into you know my mistakes with a manner of my interest at heart as opposed to you know they're throwing me under the bus so that they don't look bad mm-hmm. um so, you know, there's, I think there's aspects of mentorship 
that the audience can transcend sport. Um, but there's also an aspect of mentorship within that highly competitive environment um, that they can learn from if they've never, you know, if they've only ever had mentors in, let's say, non, uh, you know, athletic scenarios. Yeah. But, uh, <clears throat> and, and I would say that, you know, I was fortunate to have great coaches growing up. But the flip side of having great coaches is that those coaches, nine times out of 10, are usually rough coaches um, and no nonsense. And they have a swift hand of justice when you screw up. And that totally alters your life and your experience because a lot of times is, you know, you're growing up in your home and especially, you know, especially if it's a single parent home and your mom is your quote unquote coach. Um, you know, God bless moms, but you know, moms can't help being moms. <laughs> so I have, the, I have this saying that, you know, in order to be a good mom, you have to be crazy. If you're not crazy, then you're not a good mom. That's my, that's my thing. <laughs> so you have to be crazy. Um, and, and so, you know, moms, you know, always want to make sure, especially their boys, they want to make sure that their boys, um, and you know, their kids are safe and they're out of harm's way, um, you know. But when you get thrown into the fire to say, um, or, or or thrown to the wolves or to the dogs, and you're playing um, in a super competitive environment, um, it's definitely a culture shock to a kid, and it's definitely a a, a, a rewiring experience where you're realizing like, okay. This man here is not my mom. And technically, I don't even know what a dad's like. But all I know is that he's pushing me to my limits physically and mentally. And I have to adjust. Now, you know, like I say in the podcast in one of my interviews with uh, my old high school coach, at the time, um, it was very stressful. Um, I had a lot of anxiety under him. Um, at the time it was just very stressful. Um, I had like diarrhea before, you know, every practice. Um, Damn. but after the fact, like when I came out, when I was done playing for him, um, yeah, I, I for lack of a better term, yeah, I came out a monster. It was, I was just a different person. Like I, it's just my whole approach to everything was just totally different. And then, so that's why, that's why I say thanks coach. Like I can look back now and, and, and sit down with him and be like, wow, at the time, man, like, ah, it was, it was hard. It was very rough. Um, I never been treated like that by anybody. Um, and there was many times I wanted to quit. And, um, now I'm sitting here today and now, <laughs> now, you know, and I think back, I'm like, yo, man, thank God you know, coach didn't let up on me because now, you know, life is hard. You know, bosses are hard. Um, rejection is hard. Uh, finding work is hard, but you can get through it. You know, I, I've, I've lived through it. I've, I've, you know, I've lived, I lived through, you know, tough coaches and it only made me tougher. So at the time you were being, um, ridden or given the gears by your coach, Given the gears, uh, is that what you guys call it? 
Uh, give, yeah, giving them the gears. Okay. More actually, it's not so much by the coach. Usually, you're giving the gears to your, you know, your teammate. For, okay. You know their stupidity, mm-hmm. uh, or you know something that they did that deserves chirping. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, you know, y- you're speaking of, you know, the the coaching in with high regard. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm wondering if you can speak to how, how you felt while the coaching was you know going on if you want to call it that mm-hmm. um yeah yeah no 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 totally um you know it's just one of those things where you start to reevaluate do i even love basketball do i do i love hockey do i really like doing this because this is just too much because i don't want to deal with yo man it's, it's just it's just too much and part of it again like i guess i'm that stereotypical kid um like most kids i you know my dad wasn't there so i don't have a context for a male riding me all the time or calling mm. me out. I don't have a context for that or yelling at me. You know, my mom, you know, the only person I have a context for is my mom yelling at me. And, you know, you know, a mom's yell, you know, it's a mom yelling. So it's more like annoying versus a, a man yelling at you is terrifying. Yeah, I was going to say fear. Yeah, it's, it's fear. <laughs> you know, you're not, you're not afraid of your mom. You're just annoyed by your mom. But, you know, when you have a male... Um, yelling at you, it's it's rough. But also, I would also add, like, again, I interview guys who I played with. And the guys who I played with are cut from the same cloth. So a lot of times, you know, I'm playing with alpha males. A lot of my, you know, in that community, you know, you have a lot of guys who are alpha males. And for those of you guys who don't know, alpha males are basically um, guys, males who are dominant. So every time they come in to um, compete or into the room they're always trying to be the dominant person to bring the other guys in submission to him because not all men are alpha males you know um but usually when you're playing elite sports you get a lot of alpha males and so (laughs) when you have a lot of alpha males um and i'm not one and and i think that's helpful for the audience to understand my context is that i'm not an alpha male um when i was a kid growing up i wasn't one um but in order to survive around other alphas, um, I had to become one. Now, of course, there's only there can only be one alpha male, technically, just so you guys know. There can only be one. Like, you can have a room full of them, but at the end of the day, we're going to fight it out, and there's only going to be one. But part of existing around those kind of males is like, yo, they're going to try to come at you. You have to defend yourself. And, you know, Joel, me and you joked about bully ball. Um, basketball, so basketball people use this term bully ball where um, it, it's, it's a very physical brand of basketball where, you know, technically rule of thumb, and I'm sure it's like this in hockey too. Um, if you're bigger than somebody, you need to take advantage of people who are smaller than you. Right? Mm-hmm. Right? So mm-hmm. we call that bully ball. So for somebody smaller than you, yo, you got to bully that guy. Right? So, but, you know, I'm, I'm 5'10", so I'm average height for a civilian. But I'm, I'm pretty small for a, a basketball guy, so I usually end up getting bullied. <laughs> but guess what? I don't let people bully me. You know, I'm, I was taught not to let people bully me. Um, so again, my my point was just like, yes, you're coached by your coaches to be tough, but then when you're existing around your your teammates, especially if you're playing in a community where guys are, you know, you have a lot of alphas, you have to learn how to uh, exist in that. Um, in that climate but then also again 
you know, looking at the the generations and the tiers. Now I'm coaching guys. And I was very fortunate to have a team full of alphas. I've had teams that were just guys, just a bunch of, you know, guys who were followers. But then there was one time I inherited a team full of alphas. And that was a whole other ball game where now I'm the guy in charge and these kids are looking up to me and I have to manage the personality so they can work as a team, not fight each other, but also harness uh, the the um, competitiveness that they have to win. Hmm. Um, and 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 that w- that was a beautiful experience. So you'll hear a lot of you'll hear me interview um, those 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 guys. Well, they're grown men now, but when they were kids, um, and their psychological makeup, and now you're seeing them as big grown men. And and they still function the same way as they did when they were kids. They're still competitive. They're still alphas. They still believe they're top dogs. But that's part of the culture and isn't exclusive to basketball. But this is just a podcast about elite level basketball and the relationships you form in them. I think at the end of the day, um, what we're speaking about is... Um, Men who um, are operating in a manner that we take issue with as a society. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. So so what is the cause, I think, is where that, that you know potential podcast topic of toxic masculinity could go. Regardless, I think the solution is... In you know the simplest sense, um, mentorship. You know the you know you look at the alpha males that you're talking about, and these guys that you know maybe they're a little bit more aggressive. They all want to be the king. They all want to be number one. They all stand up for themselves and and are willing to throw down. How do they harness that approach and attitude for a common goal? Comes through the coach, and mm-hmm. and I think the coach can instill uh, skills and 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 a mental acuity such that the that you know masculine trait in, that's pr- appearing in all these alpha males mm-hmm. in a manner that actually becomes productive yeah and, and it's funny you you bring that up because part of it is like and i and, and this is a context i want to put more context into this for the, for the listener that and we all know this practically like not everybody's an alpha male. Like majority of males are not alphas. Mm-hmm. Right? Majority of males are not alphas. Um, but in certain circles, you know, there's usually like, there's a lot of, like for example, uh, UFC, right? Or boxing. Like those, those kind of feels like, it's so funny because like when you look at boxers and they do those press conferences and these guys have like the greatest confidence ever and they're fearless until... You know, one person's hands raised and one guy's knocked out. And you're like, okay, yeah. Um, Teddy Atlas calls, you know, the ring, you know, the truth chamber. He's like, there's a lot of places you can lie in life. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> Teddy Atlas is like, there's a lot of places you can lie in life. You can lie anywhere. But when you get in the ring, the truth chamber, <laughs> yo, you can't lie anymore. <laughs> so if you're yeah, not that yeah. guy, then you're not mm-hmm. that guy. Um, but But I say that to say, but there's i think one of the key words we want to talk about is balance and you know there there there's definitely um a fallout with with toxic masculinity um i'll i'll give um or with um alpha males 
there's definitely a fallout with alpha males that falls into the category of toxic masculinity. But the book, The Boy Crisis, um, looks at that, but also looks at the other far spectrum where you have men that are passive. Um, and uh, he talks about the purpose void, where the culture is saying, okay, well, in general, there is no purpose for men. Technically, the only purpose we have is for um, making Go money. War. Yeah, well, well, not even because guys aren't going to war anymore. That's mm -hmm. not. Well, the draft is. Uh, yeah, yeah, but but he brings that up. Money. But he brings that up in the past. Um, there was there was no purpose void because we were raising our sons to go to war, right? That that was just life. But now they don't have to go to war. Um, and even now, when we were looked at as the primary breadwinner, now we're no longer needed as the primary breadwinner. Um, and at some point, you know, we were looked at to be fathers. And at, now we're at, at a point in the culture where we don't need fathers, quote unquote. We don't need fathers. Um, you know, you, you make a baby um, and, you know, it's the girl's baby and the guy's maybe. And, you know, she has a right to abort. The guy has no say. So now you, you, you've developed, the culture has developed this purpose void. Um, and now you have men walking around with no purpose and it shows um, with, um, you know, men not marrying, men not having kids, men staying home, playing video games, uh, not advancing in life. And it's, and, it's, and it's prevalent throughout the culture. And so you, you see that. And so this is one of the things that he addresses within the boy crisis is that women are doing way better than men. Intellectually, they're doing better. Career-wise, they're doing better um, just across the board. And there's an underdevelopment of men. And that all starts when they're boys. This is why a thanks coach is important. Because now, you know, boys who are struggling grow up to be men who are struggling. And part of coaching boys right, is developing them to become men. So for those mothers or fathers who, you know, who live in my context in, in Canada and, you know, you want your kids to get into hoops and you really want them to uh, get an experience, not just to play basketball, but to develop as people, um, you're definitely going to hear the heart of a lot of these coaches um, in our area um, who aren't just, you know, developing great athletes, but also you know, great people. Mm. And, and I think that, um, you know, is something that maybe uh, outside of the purpose of what you were trying to do, mm -hmm. um, I think as a parent or as somebody who's looking to, you know, engage in this, you know, whether you want to be with another a coach and be, you know, let's say an assistant coach, I think what you're going to, your product or your, docu-series is going to show is how you know or or not how is not the right word um it's going to show the characteristics of somebody who's a good coach yes and so if you want to be wor work on a team with another guy or another you know female if that's the case um for coaching you know you might go okay they're missing a bunch of characteristics mm -hmm. do i really want to be on that team Mm -hmm. Do I really want my kid to be on that team? Do I really want to, you know, coach with this person? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I, I think, you you know, you're going to provide good insight as to what good coaches 
how they approach things. What are they? Yeah. How do they think? Yeah, yeah. Good coaches, and also like, like these coaches were once players. So, so you're seeing both sides of it. Where yes, yes, like yeah, you're seeing me as a coach, but you're also hearing about my experiences as a player. You're gonna hear about um, guys who I coach as kids, and they're gonna talk about their experience as a kid. But now they're gonna talk about their experience as a grown man, coaching. And uh, there's this concept uh, called heroic intelligence um, that um, the boy crisis talks about. Um, and the heroic intelligence is basically, you know, um, that purpose. Now, now you have a purpose, and now being a hero, because you know that's what boys want to be, right? We we play with GI Joes, we play with Transformers, we play with Thundercats. Well. I mean, my generation, we play with Thundercats. <laughs> you know, you, you play with uh, Goku and whatever the case is. You play with these action figures. Well, why do we play with Ninja Turtles, Joel? Because they're heroes. What do we dress up um, um, on Halloween, right? We're, we're Captain America, right? We're Iron Man because, you know, boys love heroes and we want to be heroes. Um, and again, so part of the culture is teaching us that well, we don't need we don't need you to be a hero. But the best part about heroes are what? They're self-sacrificing, right? They're hardworking. Um, they lay their life on the line, right? So part of it is, you know, you have um, these young boys who grow up and they want to be, right, especially in our context, you know, you know, in the basketball context, everybody wants to be Kawhi Leonard. Why? Because what's that story? Kawhi Leonard came to a, a a franchise that was, you know, destitute, right? We've been getting beat up by LeBron for the past couple years, and um, we're losing hope. Kawhi comes to Toronto, puts puts us on his back, <laughs> right? Puts us on his back, and we we witnessed it. Yep. You know, kids all across the country, we watched it, and we watched this guy quietly. Um, you know, put his put put his all in and selflessly lead this team with humility. I would add, and and get us a championship. And now he was being celebrated as a hero. Can you imagine all those those kids? Because you know we're grown men, so you know, you know our 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 hero days are somewhat over. But mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. but we know we know Joel that you know when you're a little boy, you know, and you're looking at this person or you're looking at our heroes. Man, man, we love our heroes when we're little boys. We love them. Yeah, yeah. You know, the next day you're going outside and you're like three, two, and you're full, you're fading to the corner to shoot the shot, and you're like, it's like, oh, you know, you're, you're playing. You know, I mean, I know for us is like when I was playing mini sticks or road hockey, you're like, I'm Gretzky. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're, you know, like as a kid, right? You're always, you're, you're, you're playing as whatever superstar you, you know, you love. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's, yeah, I think uh, it's interesting because. It's almost unrelated to coaching, but it's not. Right. Because um, I think about, you know, the good coaches, the best coaches are going to inspire their, you know, students or their, you know, players mm-hmm. to, to, to achieve, to strive for greatness, but they're also going to inspire them in a way that, like you, I want to become a co- coach because I saw the value this coach gave yeah. me. Yeah, no, no, totally. And and part of it is like, you know, that heroic intelligence, um, it's almost innate. It's almost innate in men to want to be the hero. 
So even like from my experience coaching kids, it, you know, I you know every now and then I'll get this kid on my team who just has it. He know he like he just he just he's just a little man. He's a professional athlete at six. He's a professional athlete at seven. And I, and I know it sounds crazy, but it's true. Like if you ask any coach, they know it's true. Um, for example, I'll ask a parent. If you're a parent and you're listening to this show, ask yourself this about your kid. Yeah, I'm, as a coach, I'm telling you about your kid. Does your kid know the difference between play and work? Mm. At four, does he know the difference between play and work? At five, at does he four? know? At four? No. At, no, ho, ho, ho. How about at five, does he know the difference between play and work? Because guess what? Guess what? There are kids who know the difference. Yeah. They know the difference. Well, and, and so when well, it's time to work with them, right, it's just like, okay, now, you know, we're here and this is all business. Now they, now, now they, now they go from five-year-old to a 25-year-old because now they understand what work is and, and what work gets you. And some kids naturally have it. Um, now some kids don't, and you have to um, now as a coach or even as a parent. Technically, yeah, forget coaching because, like I said before, now as a parent, you're saying, "Okay, look, I need to prepare my son for the fire." Mm-hmm. Right, and it starts with knowing the difference between play and work. Well, how do how do you do that? Right, um, your toys, the kids' toys are all over the place. You're like, "Okay, look, man." Um, yo, you got two <laughs> minutes to get this thing cleaned up. If it's not cleaned up, it's lights out. Right? So the kid's like, okay, cool, I get it. All right, cool. Right? Um, okay, now we're gonna play catch. All right, we're gonna see how many times you can catch without fumbling. If you fumble, you gotta pay a price. The kid's like, All right, cool, I can do that, Dad. Let's play that. And when and when and when they fail, guess what guess what they're doing? They they just jump into their into their um um into into their discipline. You know, you're like, okay, well, you failed. Mm-hmm. They embrace the failure, and they're like, okay, let's do it again. And you're like, uh-oh. Yo, guess what? Congratulations. You got a monster on your hands. <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, you know, as a, as a person who um, likes to um, think about things differently, as you were saying, you know, teaching your kid the meaning of work at four, five, six, whatever that age, right? Yeah, well, or, or, or sometimes they already have it. Yeah, well, but, but what went through my head was the idea of what are you really teaching them and how do you prepare them in such a way that now, let's call it, when you introduce the term work, they already have the foundational principles. And so what I'm where I'm going with that is the idea that work in essence is about delayed gratification mm-hmm. right or you have responsibilities and and m- meeting those responsibilities requires um effort and diligence uh, versus play right and also i think like sport is um, the greatest metaphor for life. And there's nothing like it um, in any sport where, you know, you are competing and you're realizing that 
you know, there's winners and losers, just like in life. You know, as as hard as it sounds, or as easy as it sounds, is you know, winners win, losers lose, and especially especially you know, it's always it's always awesome with siblings because <laughs> you know you you learn that lesson real quick. <laughs> you learn that lesson real quick with with siblings, where you know, but part of it is like understanding that you know what you lost because you weren't good enough. So, you know. And, you know, and I'm sure a lot of parents are listening and and they and they know they're, you know, they have a kid who just keeps coming back for more. He keeps losing to his big brother and he keeps coming back for more. So a lot of times is, you know, is, you know, it's just, sometimes it's the environment that you come up in. Um, Michael Jordan, you know, his story is, you know, he just kept losing to his older brother, but he kept coming back for more. And Michael Jordan said the day he beat his older brother, he felt like he could beat anybody. And then, mm. you know, the, you know, and then the story goes on, um, you know, it, there's tons of stories like that, but it's very important to understand that, um, you know, some of this stuff is innate and it's in your kid, um, and coaches see it when, when they get the kid is the kid is just flat out special. And then there are kids who don't have it, who have to, um, develop it. But, but usually sports is the best context to understand, Discipline, structure, perseverance, uh, hard work, uh, teamwork, and becoming um, a better person and, and learning to coexist in those environments. So again, yeah, like it's it's important. Yeah, it's funny. Um, you know, as you were saying, what you said there reminded me for the for the listener kind of teasing that episode zero. You told a really good story, um, kind of about this weird scenario where you had a kid who almost oh, wasn't yeah. coachable and yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. now acquired a kid who was coachable. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, I'll leave it at that. But, yeah. but the, the point being that, you know, every kid is a little bit different and, and realizing, oh, okay, this kid, I, I can take him be places because of their ability yeah. to listen yeah, 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 and take yeah. in what <laughs> right, I'm trying yeah, to right, do. You're right. You're right. right? And so yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's where I think, you know, again, good coaches realize everybody is different. Everybody is coachable. You just yeah. have to figure out yeah. how do I do it? Yeah. And, you know, how do I coach them in a way that they're going to receive yeah. and grow? And, you know, I, I just, I'll, you know, I would add that also, like, I want parents to listen to it and see not just good coaches or good players, but also good parenting. Um, because I, I do an interview with um, one of my um, old, one of the guys I used to coach as a kid, and now he he's a, a coach at a um, at one of the um, at um, Orangeville Prep, which is um, one of the mo- well the elite prep school, the number one school um, prep school in the country, and and he was just simply saying, and pre- preparatory prep school meaning preparatory preparing. Um, your kid to go to um, college and so usually th- th- these these schools um, have um, you know elite facilities um, they have an elite elite schedule and they're playing the top teams in the country so it's, it's very big time but at the amateur level and so he was just simply saying he's like look if you if you want your kid to come to our school or any prep school or any elite program you know, the things we look for um, is, you know, do they make their bed? Mm. Do they know to shower after a game? Can they do their own laundry? 
responsibilities. Well, 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 this is it, right? These, and I was, when he said that to me, I was just like, oh, so wait, what about the basketball? He's like, you know, the basketball, that stuff will come and go. That, that, that stuff will come. But, but yeah, and obviously he's not talking about the you know LeBrons who are like generational sort of talents. Yeah, yeah, but 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 what he was saying was that like he's just saying like to parents, um, you know, making sure that your kid is independent because when they, because the kids who play at these kind of schools, yeah, you have to become independent. We can't tell you um, when, when to shower or when yeah, to go, you know, when to do your homework. Yeah, we're not gonna cook for you. We're yeah. not gonna do your laundry. Like your you diet. Ta- yeah, ma- making sure you maintain yep. your diet. Um, you you know, especially if you, if you have weight problems, you're not you know you're not sneaking Twinkies. If you have eczema, <laughs> you know what I mean. If you have eczema, you make sure you, you know you're 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 eating aligned with your diet. So so these are the things as a parent, um, you can coach your, um, you can coach your kid, um, to be able to, be able to play at an elite level. What, uh, you know, I mean, we've touched on probably a lot of stuff outside of what you're going to specifically speak to. Um, but for the, the audience member, I guess, who's maybe still on the fence um, on, you know, wha- should they listen to this? Should they check it out? Uh, why don't you uh, wrap up with, with just kind of that last spiel of, um, you know, why this uh you know, docu series is really for anybody, right? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, so I would say to the audience that for for those guys who are like, ah, man, I don't give, I don't give a rip about thanks, coach, and basketball. I don't care about that. I would say that uh, again, it's very important to understand perseverance and life, and understanding um, the mentor mentee relationship, especially between men. Um, that for those of us who are fathers and, and like biological fathers and you have biological sons, but the problem with the culture and part of being the solution is, you know, you're a man, there are going to be young men under you who are going to be like sons. And even though they're like sons they're they actually become your sons through it, through going through life with them. So it isn't just saying, okay, well, no, this is just about basketball. No, it's, it's deeper than basketball. It's about men loving other men, especially younger men or, or young boys and teaching them how to grow up to be men. Because, yeah, like, yeah, we do have a deficit where we don't have a lot of fathers with these boys. So, you know, as a man who's listening, you know, you're saying, OK, well, look, there's young men. I, I have a godson. I have a cousin. I have a nephew. And that person is like a son to you. So you want to be able to um, mentor them the right way. And a lot of the times of that is like, yo, life isn't always a bed of roses. There's going to be some um, resistance. And that's what you kind of see um, going through playing out in, in, in sport in the relationship between player and coach. For the ladies who are listening and who um, are raising these boys, um, it's important to see that understanding and learning to accept uh, the male experience and, and, and male culture. Because in, in episode zero, uh, I used a term, misandry, M-I-S-A-N-D-R-Y. Uh, and it's the opposite of misogyny, right? So misogyny are men, is men who look down on women. But then you have misandry where 
women look down on men. And a lot of times, you know, because we don't use that word, women aren't too too sure if they're actually practicing it. But sometimes, you know, as women, as women, you look down on men. You're like, oh no, um, you know, that's foolishness, or 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 that's very barbaric, or that's very just because it's different than the way you would. Yes. Yes, so I want the ladies, definitely I want the ladies to listen and be like, you know what, maybe I am practicing misandry. And I need to be able to uh, acknowledge my bias that I do not like male culture. And, and, and I despise it, actually. Well, okay, well, well, well let's, why don't you come in here and walk in our shoes, hear our hearts, and try to understand where we're coming from because at the end of the day um we need women and we need men and uh the book says it perfectly um the boy crisis there um if there's one gender that's winning then both genders lose Mm. right so so we need women to win and we also need men to win and right now ladies you know it you know it you know it you know it the men aren't winning. And guess what, ladies? If the men aren't winning, if these boys aren't winning, then guess what? Your little girls aren't winning because they're not going to have a husband. Right? They're not going to have responsible men to protect them and come alongside them and work with them. And that's exactly what we're witnessing today. So that's why um, you should be listening to Thanks Coach. Yeah, no, that's that's good. I think, um, you know, the, the, the cause of actions. And so... You know, as you said, for the woman who hates male culture, um, you know, there might be reasons that are justifiable as to what what maybe uh, inclines you not to be uh, happy with male culture. But um, just remember that the true way to judge the the individual's acting isn't based on, uh, you know, your perceptions, but rather their motivations. I'm hoping that your series will inspire more men to to engage in uh, coaching and coaching type roles. And with that said, thank you again to all our six centers out there for your love and support with season three. And also, we're going to put a survey in our show notes. Please, guys, fill it out. Let us know what you think. Let us know where you can improve because we here at the Six Sense Report aim to please. Six cents makes change. But you heard me? Does that make sense?